Welcome to the Sunshine House, a cosy corner where you can curl up and listen to chats with some of Australia's most beloved children's book creators. My name is Annie Louise, author of a bunch of books for kids and also completely besotted with the children's book world. I teach writing to both kids and adults and mentor children's book writers to help you publish your own stories. Here I chat to creators about their process, getting published, maintaining a sustainable career and everything in between. If you're a writer or an illustrator, come and join us over at the Sunshine House Facebook group, a lovely, happy place all about supporting and inspiring book creators. Today I'm chatting with Tristan Banks, award-winning author of books for upper primary school kids, including the Tom Weekly series, Two Wolves, The Fall, and most recently, Detention. His new book, Cop and Robber, is released later this year. I'm pretty lucky to have been in a writer's group with Tristan for the last four or five years. Watching how diligent Tristan is at his writing craft is very inspiring. But beyond that, Tristan has also built a fabulously resilient creative career, which we talk about here. If you are interested in registering your child for Tristan's Story School, you can visit www.youngwriterstoryschool.com. Hi, Tristan. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's very nice of you. No, it's good. It's exciting. Yeah. The next evolution of the Sunshine House. (laughs) It sure is. It's been many years, hasn't it? It's been a weird couple of years, hasn't it? Just really super strange in our author lives with all this um, COVID stuff and having to transition and all of this. How, How have you found the last couple of years with all the upheaval? Very strange, but also I feel pretty thankful that we are generally um, pretty homebound creatures anyway. And, you know, the most important part of our work is writing and, you know, getting those words down on the page. And that's something that I haven't found any more difficult necessarily in the last couple of years. I know that a lot of writers um, have been really so distracted, I suppose. And I mean, I've had, you know, my family around a lot more obviously and kids at home and we've been helping them to um, be engaging with uh, school online and all that sort of stuff all look all the crazy but I have actually found that um, in a way that writing time having those few hours a day that I uh, that I go down into the writing has actually been somewhat of an escape from all the from all the craziness going on around Mm. oh that's really awesome Yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, Well, it's so great that you can find that appreciation for that space and so many people who are, I don't know if you have to be introverted to have enjoyed it, but in many ways it has been a case of kind of closing some doors to really channel into our creative work, which I'm really glad you found that space. Um, As a children's book creator, I've noticed over the years you've done a lot of school visits and, you know, festivals and things like that. feels like that is a big part of your work and that's, of course, been very affected by the pandemic and everything going on. How have you found that transition from having, like, lots of in-person activities to pretty much none? (laughs) That has been very different, actually. 
Um, I we were in America and had to come back, um, as you would know, at the beginning of the pandemic, like right at the beginning of March, just as lockdowns were happening. And we'd been traveling for about three months and then we were going to continue traveling. And I was going to do some work in Vietnam, got visiting schools there in Ho Chi Minh City and Hanoi. And I was really looking forward to this. And I was also going to be making money that was going to replace all the money that we'd spent already on the trip. But of course, we had to hightail it back here. So we came back mm. here with very little kind of cash flow happening and the expectation that we would have been traveling for a few more months. And so I had to very quickly work out how to move the 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 speaking work that I had coming up. I had to work out how to move it online. I had heaps of speaking work lined up for the year ahead and I just couldn't afford to lose it. You know, you've got to mm. raise a family and all that sort of stuff. So it was good motivation to work out very quickly. I remember a friend telling me about this amazing thing called Zoom. And I was <laughs> like, oh, right. And I was like, what? Is it like Skype? And I was like, sort of. And then, you know, we got on and he, t- he sort of did a test Zoom with me and showed me all the capabilities of, of Zoom. And I was like, oh, okay. Because I had been doing Skypes. Skype talks for years, probably since about 2011 or 2012. Um, But it was always patchy, you know, Um, it wasn't the clearest and the most steady connection I always found on Skype and you'd crack a joke and then it'd be a three second delay and then they started (laughs) laughing and you were already talking. And so actually, um, you know, learning Zoom um, quite quickly and then working really, really hard to try and reassure all the schools and festivals and things that I could deliver online and make it engaging and fun and visual and things. That was something that I did lots of work on in those first couple of months. And, um, and I feel like that was, that was really valuable because I, I guess I'm still doing a lot of online talks now, even though we can go back into schools. That's interesting. Um, so when you say engaging, I know from personal experience, it is really hard to captivate a young audience. Uh, I tend to present to sort of primary school kids. And so much of that experience of presenting to a, a younger group is the engagement and that sort of back and forth and that rapport you have with them. How? What are your strategies for dealing with that? Or um, I suppose keeping it engaging and keeping it fun for kids? I think it is harder for people who write for young, the, the younger the audience, the more difficult it is to capture them and keep them interested in something on a screen in that mm. way. Um, so I mainly speak to sort of year five and up, and I think they, those kids are fine. I did speak to year three and four kids and even grade two kids, but I think shorter sessions are the key with, a, with younger kids. Mm. Um, with the year five and up, I tend to already in my presentations, I'm pretty visual. Um, I show lots of video and pictures and I play music and I am always pointing to the thing, the picture that's up behind me kind of thing and having that as a reference. Um, and so I think the presenting on a screen naturally kind of worked into what I had already been doing in my live presentations. Mm. I know that it was really tough for people who did sort of live music or something in their presentation and that sort of interaction. Um, I was just remarking yesterday, I spent the last two days doing um, like seven hours of workshops for a school, the Australian International School in Singapore. And I've been over there a bunch of times over the years and the last couple of years we've been doing it online. And I was just saying to my wife last night that I'm amazed how interactive it is and the questions you can answer, ask and then they're answered right back and the jokes you can you can. Uh, 
crack that do hit now because <laughs> of the lack of delay. Mm -hmm. So um, I really think that for particularly for that sort of age 10 and up, mm -hmm. um, you really can get quite an interactive session um, online. Mm. I guess it does open up some possibilities too, because I know I don't tend to do much with PowerPoints and audio type stuff, but now I am doing a lot more of that because you've got access to that screen share option. You can sort of do a slideshow, um, have a little YouTube clip and all of that and make it a bit more multimedia, which I suppose is an opportunity, isn't it? I think so. I, <laughs> I sort of, I've had to up my game on that and try and get it really <laughs> sort of smooth as well. I tend to yeah, do intro face to face and have a bit of a chat and ask some questions and things and then I'll go into the presentation and you know go through for for a little while showing how I write a book or something and then I'll come out of it and then I'll sort of ask if there are any questions or I might do a reading and do that sort of full screen and then um, you know do a bit more interaction and then go back into the keynote and then at the end do some more questions and things so I mm. really try to um, mix it up and I've always been big on sort of multimodal learning and multimodal presentations as well and reaching those kids i guess who you know who can sit and listen to you read um but then the other ones who really need something visual or mm. bringing in a video or something in order to kind of cleanse the palette in between other things and i find once you play a even a minute of video you can switch to something else and you've you've got everyone's attention again ah. even if it's waning previously and how you you've got a good setup there like it's all very clean and you know looks really good how how important is light and sound when you're doing your presentations have you given that much thought i have and i bought lots of weird <laughs> things you know extra mics to add onto my phone yeah. <laughs> and trying to connect my phone as a webcam yeah. and um you know little lights that that click onto different things and <laughs> LED lights and all that sort of stuff. And actually, I think this, I've just got, all I've got is a ring light there, which yeah. I think you can see a bit off there. Um, yeah, I've, I've just got a ring light and I think we got it for sort of for $35 secondhand on Marketplace or something like that, um, yeah. uh, you know, a year <laughs> and a half ago. Um, and then uh, my laptop just happens to have a really good mic. Um, I do have AirPods and I've got connected headphones as well, but apparently my laptop is the best sound. Mm, and um, amazing. It's, a, it's a really pretty simple setup. I've I'm, I'm got my laptop balanced on a weird sort of box here, <laughs> but as long as it's out of frame, um, you know, it doesn't matter too much. Yeah, I think there should be a series of photos um, put together at some point of every the sort of backdrop of everyone's actual spaces, like all the, <laughs> the weird things things are balanced on and yeah. lights hanging from these weird objects. It would be very entertaining. Yeah. Um, everyone's home, I stuff myself away in the bedroom and then yeah. the, the, the setup gets weird with the, you know, the <laughs> balanced on strange things. But Pillows like, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you and I know each other from storyboard which is the Byron Writers Festival program. We go school to school running these amazing writing workshops and we both know like how amazing they are and how cool it is actually workshopping with kids, writing with kids and getting them to write their story and giving them tools to do that. And, of course, that work for me and us, that's been like was a big thing when that dropped away in 2020. Like what? What have you done to fill that space, not just presenting to kids, and you've explained that really well, but also actually workshopping with kids? Because I know you're, you've done a lot of thinking about this too, haven't you? Yeah, I love that thing of getting, I love inspiring kids to read 
and I love it when I hear that a kid's reading one of my books or a book of, you know, other Aussie authors that I know. Um, but I really think creativity goes hand hand in hand with that. And I really want to inspire kids to create as well, because I've had so much enjoyment from that in my life. And I love the thought that a kid who wasn't creative before or didn't see themselves as creative, hated writing or whatever, might just get some little tip from you in a workshop on using pictures or using video or using music or free writing or whatever it is, and that they'll go away and then, you know, start creating something. Um, I once did some workshops for some year nine boys out in Western New South Wales and their favorite thing was pig and um, <laughs> going pig hunting and, and that, that was just what they love to do. And, you know, they weren't all that enthusiastic about literature or writing. Um, but by the end of the session, uh, there were a couple of boys who asked to come back and do the next workshop as well, which was awesome. really good because we, we got them sort of writing stories about their, their pig and, you know, about what yeah. happened, sort of crazy <laughs> things that had happened when they were out there yeah. um, shooting pigs. And, um, and once they started telling their own stories, they really got excited. In terms of workshops, I do do uh, workshops um, via Zoom, um, mm. and, you know, run them in the same way as I do them online. Mm -hmm. But I had I'd gotten to the point, I think by 2020 or end of 2019, where I'd quite often um, get asked to go to Darwin or to Western New South Wales or to Northern Queensland or to Perth or wherever it was, you know, it's a big country. And I just wouldn't have the time, you know, I wouldn't have time to do it. I would have already filled up my allocation of talks for the year or whatever or workshops. And so I'd always had this dream of putting down all the stuff that I do in workshops in videos and having two or three minute videos that were fast and action packed that sort of showed how I do a certain aspect of writing and then set a challenge for the writers. And so in 2020, I finally had time to shoot this thing. Um, took a long time to write it and plan all the videos. And then we recorded um, 24 of these sort of two or three minute videos called Young Writers Story School. So now, yeah, that's online and lots of schools um, in Australia are using it and in Singapore that I mentioned before and then Vietnam and yeah, lots of schools are able to just, the good thing about it is that it's flexible. So yeah. in a classroom, you could play one video a week and just have, you know, this writing blast and have this standalone unit. It's got teaching materials and activity sheets and things. Um, and it just, you know, getting an author in is expensive. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, rel relatively expensive. And um, and it also sometimes you've got to pay for travel, I guess, if you're, mm -hmm. if you're in a regional area or something. So I think this was just a way that I could sort of say, hey, you could do this instead, um, you know, if, if we can't make it work. That's amazing. I love that flexible approach because obviously um, every classroom is different, has different needs, they've got to fit the criteria, but then sometimes they do have a little bit of a day where they have a bit more time on their hands and that's so cool. But it's not just schools that can use it. Uh, can individuals use it as well? at home yeah they can. yeah 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 so um like emerging writers have been using it and, they, <laughs> nice. and then um also kids you know parents yep. with keen writerly kids yeah um mostly mostly in the classroom but i guess what it does too is gives insight into all the writing tools that i really use in my mm -hmm. writing so mm. i think it can sort of spark things for emerging writers so i might use you know show the creation of my book soundtracks and how that yeah. really helps to get me moving or i might show i'm um, going on a story safari where i'm sort of going outside for inspiration or i'm looking for authentic detail or mm. 
using like Google Maps Street View, I saw sort of show how I use Street View to go and explore possible locations for my stories and things. And mm. because it's visual, um, you know, you can get that message across really easily with video. But yeah, it's been, I've been excited. The, the, the thing I'm excited about at the moment actually is um, Young Writers Story School is being used for this Apple project where um, I'm working with Apple Education and they've put it into about 130 classrooms in Australia and New Zealand. It's amazing. And the teachers are showing the videos to their kids and then they're connecting with that community of 129 other teachers mm. to show how, and they're exploring, QUT is involved too, and we're exploring how whether technology can be used effectively to inspire creativity and you know what are some of the challenges of that um what are the upsides of that um you know are there different kids that respond to technology and others who just need the analog um yeah so it's it's this whole kind of study we're doing and, and that it's is sort so of built cool around this thing. yeah i was uh, it's yeah. it's a fun project so cool and yours is sort of you know, it is high quality and it's nice to watch and it's nice to listen to, you know, so it, you can see how yours is a really good thing to test that on because so many of us, me included, sort of cobbled together something online which could be put out to schools and to replace our in-person work. But it's really nice when it is done really professionally. So, yeah, that's awesome. How exciting. Yeah. 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 It was a bit of a leap of faith um, getting a crew to come and help me shoot it. And- <laughs> You know, yeah. someone to edit it, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. Copy it and all that yeah. sort of stuff. I was like, mm, you know, I spent quite a bit of money. On it and I thought, oh well, I hope it works. Yeah, um, backing but, um, yourself though. Yeah, it's no, fun. that's it's really good. Well, it's it has been good. Like looking to people like you and Deborah Bella and people who have a little bit of TV experience, I think, um, is inspiring for people who don't. <laughs> who just have their little computer um, cameras and are doing their best at home. So, yeah, thank you for sharing all that insight. That's amazing. And in terms of sort of uh, your overall writing career, so you've um, been able to spend more time really sinking into your stories, less time on the road, which is a kind of a good thing in a way for your writing, and then having this amazing opportunity to explore new technologies and do a business that you've been interested in doing for a long time. So, you know, with all of the difficulties the pandemic's given us, you know, it's also given us some opportunities maybe and some, you know, really positive things as well. I think Mm. so. The one thing that I have heard and in conversations with people um, is that Zooms and things still aren't as effective necessarily in selling books, um, in-person talks, you know, in-person touring is really good for getting your book moving in terms mm-hmm. of sales and things. And I've heard from booksellers that it's been really good for a backlist, like people want comfort books over this time, you know, books that have been out for a few years or have been out for a while and they, you know, reread or repurchase those books. Mm. Um, but it's been harder for front list books and it's been really hard for people releasing their first book um, when they've only been able to, to talk about it um via you know video channels definitely um, so that that has been one of the one of the challenges that's one of the things i'm looking forward to this year i've got a book called cop and robber that comes out in july yeah and i'm looking forward to all the all the in-person talks yeah again. so i think that balance i think that a balance of the two is a really good thing 
Yeah, definitely. I think that's true. I was just in a classroom this morning and actually sitting down with the kids. That's something you can't do on Zoom is getting to sit down with the kids and hear their personal stories and connect with them and see their words on the page. And I find that a really gratifying thing and just something you can't really replace um, online. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Although the stories are funny like I'll quite often get the the teacher will send the student up to the front because you know it's mm-hmm. often hard to get kids to the back and they'll they'll come up and they'll sort of lean down into camera <laughs> and tell all their stories and I've been um talking about um reading a story called teleporter where Tom Weekly one of my characters um breaks the tv he and his friend they they break the tv and it explodes and it's fizzing on the floor and then his mum comes is coming home and they're trying to work out what to do with it and I was asking kids about what they had broken around the house and that was pretty fun just hearing <laughs> all their stories you know so many kids are just natural storytellers yeah and they tell these hilarious stories about about things they've broken and yeah. their parents reaction and how yeah. they managed to get out of it by swindling it and making it look like it was their sibling and yeah um, so uh, confessing I, I it all to you over on zoom <laughs> Yeah, and I try to I try to um, get as much of that interaction as I as I can online. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, as you yeah. as you say, you know, in person is I'm looking forward to being back. In yeah, wild. I like that too. You know, when I found we were doing an in person workshop and then it went went to Zoom, the same group of kids went to Zoom. It was really interesting. I thought because there I got to know some different kids. Because in the in person group, I was getting to know the more extroverted kids, the kids who are really happy to stand up and read their work confidently and share all the time. But on Zoom, I suddenly got to meet these kids who were probably a bit more introverted. You know, not they they could share with me um, as a message. Or they, you know, there was a, just a different relationship. Yeah. And when we yeah. went back to the in-person thing and that break um, we had in the pandemic stuff, I I had to sort of remind myself, oh, it's not just the extroverts actually who are wanting to share. And, you know, we need different avenues for being able to do that. So I thought that was That's a really true. beautiful thing actually that technology does actually open up something creative for some people and also that verbal storytelling is really positive too absolutely yeah and like you say having the option of putting something in the comments and asking your questions that way is something Mm. you can't do in the classroom maybe we should have give everyone their phones or something and they can text (laughs) uh, questions in the classroom (laughs) or something Um, but we oh the other the other great thing that the digital has opened up in the last couple of years is our writers group you know yeah um, and I have had a writers group for years or been in a writers group for years um that it's sort of uh you know we'd let go uh, of a little bit I I think um after Jesse Blackadder passed yeah, away yeah we did and, um, yeah and we sort of hadn't been doing much and then a, a writer in Sydney Deborah Bella you know wanted to put together a middle grade um, writers group and critique group to to give feedback for people who are really focusing heavily on middle grade books and so now we have you know uh, 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 Lee and Tanner in Tasmania and Deborah Bella in uh, Sydney, Sydney and then yeah. Sarah Armstrong and you and myself um, in northern New South Wales so we've suddenly I, I feel like that's been an amazing thing for feedback I've never had that kind of critical feedback I usually keep my stuff under wraps and don't mm. show anyone for a long time mm. and so having that kind of immediate critical feedback and and venturing my stuff out there when it's not quite ready and not quite mm. polished um, yes. that's been something that I think zoom and all this stuff has has made possible it definitely has and I think a writer's group is a very sensitive uh 
chemistry really like between people and it's very hard to find those exact people who you feel comfortable sharing with who you trust to share with and who can give you that feedback that is actually going to benefit your work I think so broadening the net (laughs) spreading it across international even if you needed to um, definitely helps you find those those people who you really connect with yeah that's awesome oh well thank you for sharing your time today and sharing all that amazing insight because you're a person to many of us look up to as someone who has made and is making a very sustainable career as a children's book writer. Um, and I know in the early days, I often look to you and go, oh, Tristan, what does Tristan? Okay, that's really interesting because <laughs> you you think creatively, not just in your work, but also in your business. And I think that's um, inspiring, but you're also very versatile and you're very been able to kind of roll with something which has um, baffled many of us. And I think it's really admirable that you've been able to do that. So thank you. I think um, I think not knowing how to do anything else helps. Um, you know, <laughs> if you had other Motivated. skills, you could rely on those things. You go back to <laughs> teaching or you would okay. go back to yeah. um, being an electrician. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. If you had a trade behind you. <sighs> I never, um, I followed David Mamet's advice, which is <laughs> don't get a trade behind you because if you do, you will in those difficult moments go and rely on that trade. Fall back so, on it. That's such yeah, a good so point. Think, oh, yeah. that's why I never and, became a plumber. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no, exactly. I know. And then having a family too, I think, I think having the yeah. pressure of expenses that are not going to stop, I think, <laughs> uh, I think that, uh, you know, it, it forces you to get creative and to roll oh, with the punches. Otherwise, you might yeah. go, oh, I can't adapt to that. And it's like, well, yeah. I have no choice but to adapt mm-hmm. to that. Okay, so um, mm-hmm. what can I do next? <laughs> and those, um, and I think those, you're someone who does that too. Yeah, oh, thank you. Well, those things just keep getting taller and bigger and le- what more expensive than anything, you know. They don't get less expensive as they get bigger. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yes. <laughs> those commitments. Those are very tall. I know they soon be taller than me, which is frightening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, this has been super fun. Thank you so much, Tristan. That's very kind no of you to come on board. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Sunshine House podcast. This episode is produced by Jen Pitch, and the theme music is by Gregor Hutchka and produced by Brett Canning. Join us over at our Facebook group by searching Sunshine House Writers and Creatives. I also run courses for book creators. My current course is called Creative Season, which is a series of short workshops for book creators, covering things like book promotion, marketing, school visits, and getting published. You can visit my website at www.zannylouise.com to secure your spot. Have a lovely, sunshiny day, wherever you are.